Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud made his pro debut, Ohio State kid. I think if he can avoid all the nonsense with the Texans and their chaos through the years, he has a chance to succeed. He's not much of a wild guy, but he's big move foundationally. He's got some nice stuff. Um, the fact that he wasn't great against Belichick is not a story. Rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick are 6-24, and 24, complete 55% of their throws, throw almost twice as many interceptions than touchdowns, and have a passer rating at 64. Bill is the greatest defensive coach ever. Not a shock that the Texans, in a rebuilding state, look bad offensively, at least C.J. Stroud did. Facing Belichick as a rookie is like teaching your kid how to drive in New York City. It's really fast and mistakes are inevitable. Know what I really watched last night and I was thinking of Aaron Rodgers, New England's backups on the defensive line created utter chaos and havoc for the Texans. It's the best part of the Patriots. Pressure on the quarterback. They were tied for third in the NFL last year in sacks. Even their backups are good. The Patriots have all sorts of offensive limitations. They can't draft a skilled player to save their life. Malik Cunningham's interesting, but he's a third-string quarterback and probably won't see the field much. I like him. Love to see him get snaps. But what New England does, and they do it well every year, is get to the quarterback. And the Jets' weakness, that's what I thought about with Aaron Rodgers sitting at home in New Jersey. He's got that big new home. Sure, he had to go out and buy pillows and comforters. Maybe he had somebody do it for him, but he was sitting there watching, and that's what New England does. They're backups. Beat Houston's backups, but that's what New England does under Belichick. They create pressure, and if you look at who the Jets are going to face in their opener, Buffalo, great pass rush. Then it's the Cowboys, strength of the team, pass rush. Then New England, Philadelphia, Browns, Giants, Chargers, all a great pass rush. C.J. Stroud threw a bad pick against Belichick. Outside of Mahomes, doesn't everybody kind of play worse football at quarterback against Belichick teams? He's big enough, he moves well enough, he's accurate enough. I've said, can he overcome the Texans? Their offensive line isn't very good. It was ranked bottom quarter of the league last year. They're in a rebuilding mode. He's got a first-time offensive coordinator. He's got a rookie defensive coach. They've got a couple of interesting young receivers. It'll be okay. Take a deep breath. Much like Jared Goff, we don't know if the coach is the right coach. When Jared got one, and that's C.J. Stroud's comp, when Jared got one, he became very good. Hopefully, D'Amico Ryans is his first coach and his right coach. But that's not what I took from it. Belichick eats really good veteran quarterbacks up. That was going to happen. What I noticed was the pressure even their backups created. Overwhelming Houston's front. You could say, well, it's Houston. The Patriots were third in the league last year in sacks. No reason Matt Judon, no reason they're going to go backwards. Get ready for an Aaron Rodgers. Well, speaking of stars, Phil Mickelson yesterday at the end of the show, he touched on that there's a new book app by a man named Billy Walters. He's considered the most successful gambler of all time, has spent time in prison, um, and he's got uh, some scores to settle, and he dropped a few bombshells that Phil Mickelson bets a lot. Well, there's a reason in Vegas parlance they call them whales and not goldfish. Rich people, memo, 
bet a lot. Michael Jordan bets a lot too. I mean, it's legendary, right? Rich people bet a lot, they don't pay. Play penny slots? They're not at the $5 table. Blackjack, that's where I sit. Um, Phil Mickelson in the book says he considered betting on the Ryder Cup, although Phil adamantly denied that yesterday. And here's the thing about Phil. I've been riding this 30-year roller coaster with him. Love him, drives me nuts, talented, reckless, enduring, flawed, interesting. Mostly owns it, I'm here for him. He's a big character who takes big swings, big consumer food, wine, golf, and apparently betting. Yeah, he bet a lot of money. 20, 25 years ago, I remember being in the sports book, I think it was the Las Vegas Hilton, and somebody told me that Phil Mickelson was maybe the biggest better in Las Vegas. Again, he was a whale. All right. He's pulling in 50 million a year. I think at last year he made 106 million. So what? He's not a quarterback. He's not a tight end. He's not a point guard. He's not a goalie. He's like a boxer. He's an independent contractor. He doesn't have responsibilities to teammates or coaches or coordinators. An owner, a general manager. He's never gotten along with a PGA and the PGA itself's only a charity. He's a boxer. I've got some interesting stories on boxers. UFC stars, they're independent contractors. And that's what Phil Mickelson is. Even the biggest claim, the Ryder Cup. He was gonna bet the Ryder Cup. Phil Mickelson says, I didn't bet the Ryder Cup. Phil Mickelson talks. Alan Shipnock wrote a book called Phil on the show in a couple of hours. Phil just talks. He's the jokester. He makes big bets, big claims. Nobody knows half if they're true. So if somebody who spent time in prison says, the score's to settle, that guy was going to bet in the Ryder Cup. Prove it to me. I'm not defending the reckless nature of Phil Mickelson, but I am saying his loyalty is to sponsors. He's a pro golfer. The PGA is a charity. And the PGA never treated stars the way they should have been until the Live Tour was created and now exists. Suddenly, the PGA has reworked the books a little to take care of their stars. And Greg Norman, who runs the LIV Tour, and Phil Mickelson, one of their stars, have pushed back on the tour forever. There's nothing in this book that shocks me. Phil Mickelson bet over a billion dollars and lost a hundred million. I think last year he made more than a hundred million. Again, memo, rich people bet a lot. Okay, the trouble is, and Phil has acknowledged a gambling addiction. Some people have that quality. Years ago, I worked with a guy named Kenny. Food, alcohol, betting, women, anything. He was just all in, overboard on everything, and acknowledged it and hopefully has fixed it. It's a real thing. Addiction exists in all corners of America and the world. It's sad. Phil acknowledges it, has self-awareness, and has tried to peel back. But even the Ryder Club Cup claim. It's not a golf major. PGA is not a team. I mean, the Ryder Cup is a bragging right festivity. There's no purse for it. Just want to be better than the Euros. That's probably the only golf team you're ever on. And would anybody really care? He bet on his team to win. I know, I know it's not appropriate. I said this yesterday. Finding out that Phil may have considered betting on the Ryder Cup is like finding out your 16 or 17 year old smoke pot. You won't encourage it. You're not happy with it, but 
There's a lot worse. It's legal in 30 states. So, Phil Mickelson lived a big life with big swings. And he has made my life better as a consumer. I'm here for all of it, even the bad parts. We do that now in society. We like the best parts of things. We consume things we like, but when it's not exactly to our suiting, we get upset. Let's be less fragile. Phil's all in, all interesting, all the time. And he's not perfect, and he's flawed, and he's talked about it. That's the turbulent life of America's rock star. We could talk about Tiger and some of his secrets. I'm okay with Phil. I read a story this morning from an English broadcaster named Gary Lineker. And it's funny how we look at gambling sometimes. It's bad, right? Lineker, the broadcaster, talked about his friend Queenie overseas. Michael Jordan was over there and they were going to go golf, Michael Jordan and Queenie. So Queenie goes up to him and says, hey Michael, would you, would you like to wager a little? Sure, man. How much you want to play for, Michael? Michael puffed on the cigar, looked straight at him and smiled. Whatever makes you uncomfortable, man. That's a cool story. And that's how Phil Mickelson's lived. Aaron Rodgers had a first yesterday. It was the first time, as the Jets quarterback, he faced another team. It was one of those scrimmages against the Carolina Panthers, who have a pretty good front seven. Not great, but pretty good. And the offensive line for the Jets was a problem. Bryce Young was up and down the field. Aaron Rodgers, two-minute drill, three and out. An ugly. Not good, but of course this offensive line is being duct-taped. Billy Turner here, Max Williams there, Mackay Becton's kind of a bust, Dwayne Brown is hurt. So Aaron can smile at the Tonys and on HBO and at the Knicks game and it looked like fun. I was happy for him, but he'll get a little prickly when things start to emerge that he's not used to. The Green Bay Packers in 20 years, I do not ever recall them going into a season with a duct tape offensive line. According to PFF, the last decade in Green Bay, Aaron's offensive lines None were below average. Many were top 10. The Jets is now ranked at 23rd going into the season. And they are piecemealing it up front on the edges. They don't have a tackle. So the Packers have their flaws. Those are well documented on this show. But in terms of drafting and stability and development and coaching and organizationally, Green Bay's an excellent franchise, very much in the Patriots-Steelers realm. So essentially, Aaron Rodgers, because these are all companies, right? Aaron left a really well-run company for a poorly-run company, the Jets, that in the last decade has finished in last place seven times in a decade. Multiple quarterbacks, multiple coaches, multiple GMs, impulsive owners. So Aaron has graduated too. And this is why I keep mentioning his age yesterday, today, the day before. Aaron has graduated out of running. He no longer is gonna buy you time. You have to give him time and it's different. And it is my number one concern for the Jets this year. I've said it over and over ad nauseum. O-line, older quarterback, no longer buying you a lot of time. He wants to get rid of that puppy and get out of there. 
So Aaron experienced what his predecessors did, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Mike White. The Jets can't figure out up front on the offensive side. Now there is talent in the building in New York. Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, the GM, Garrett Wilson, the receiver. Uh, Sauce Gardner's phenomenal. Lot of nice pieces, Brees Hall and Aaron Rodgers. But he is viewed as their savior because you know they've whiffed on their last two quarterback picks. Green Bay doesn't really whiff on quarterback picks. Jordan Love could be the first. I doubt he's a huge whiff. But if you just look at the quarterback position last 15 years, Jets have had like 15 starting quarterbacks. Essentially, Green Bay had one and a handful of uh, guys that would fill in if Aaron went down with a couple collarbone injuries. But it was one quarterback basically for 15 years starting the game. So enter Aaron entered a building that at coach and quarterback, the two most important positions, has been swimming in chaos for 10 years. And these are all just companies. That's what they are. Green Bay is a well-run company, never in chaos, rarely, rarely in the news except for winning. And the Jets are almost always in the news for the wrong stuff. And what's really concerning about this, and that's why I do think Buffalo minus one and a half is one of my favorite bets in the first week is when you look at the instability and Aaron lived through it yesterday at tackle where they couldn't protect against Carolina the early schedule for the Jets is Buffalo great pass rush New England Cowboys Philadelphia Chris Jones of the Chiefs probably back by then at Denver so the weakness is the strength of many of the teams early in that schedule. Aaron lived the real Jets quarterback life yesterday. Running, three and out, uncomfortable, not good on the edges. This franchise is a Dwayne Brown injury at left tackle from being a mess. Green Bay was the exception. Every year, top offensive lines. How many times have we mentioned it on the show? So he went from a company with no chaos, although some was self-created, and excellent support and protection to a circus he now has to save. Yesterday was his first dose of reality, and it got uncomfortable, like it did for Darnold and Zach Wilson. All right, so the Cowboys camp's just up the road from here, about an hour and a half away. The story has been early, while the Cowboys look really good defensively, and... Man, Dak's throwing a lot of picks again. And Mark Sanchez was on our show yesterday, and he said, I wouldn't get too worried about it. Listen, you don't want your quarterback throwing interceptions. However, I will say in training camp, especially the first week and a half-ish, the defense is so far ahead. Their calls are, you know, half the verbiage, if not less, maybe a quarter of the verbiage of the offense, and it's just go play, run, hit, and tackle. Now we're not in the first week though. We're now in the second week and the third week and games start now tonight. So there's a clear correlation with that. This is not something we're going to argue over. It's just the facts. When you ask Dak Prescott the day he stepped into the league, the more you ask him to do, the more mistakes he makes. The best, most efficient year for Dak Prescott, believe it or not, was year one. Zeke was the best running back in the league. The offensive line was the best running offensive line in the league. And Dak was on the cheap. You could fill holes. He didn't cost anything. 
the Cowboys had the number two rush offense, and by year two, we knew the truth. Because Zeke in year two was suspended six games, and in those six games, Dak had five touchdown passes and seven picks and a 76 passer rating. Dak's only been at two Pro Bowls, and in both years he's been to a Pro Bowl. Zeke led the NFL in rushing attempts and rushing yards. Last year, Dak's numbers, 15 picks led the league, and he missed four starts. And a passer rating of 91, that was worse than Daniel Jones. Why? Because Zeke was a shot fighter, and the offensive line was in a rebuild. You needed more from Dak. So in this training camp, Zeke's not around. Brandon Cooks is new. Tony Pollard off a broken leg. O-line still in a bit of a rebuild. Zach Martin holding out. Dak once again, heavy on the turnovers. There is a clear correlation. This is not arguable. His most efficient year was the year they needed him to do the least. So you keep telling me Dak's the front man of a great band, and every time he's out in front by himself, there's no hits, right? So, Shady McCoy said the interceptions, no big deal, maybe. I think a, a veteran quarterback of his magnitude of, of America's team, the Cowboys, um, I think a lot of people feel like Dak's a, 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 a elite quarterback, franchise guy, so I think it is something. I mean, the good thing is that it's like camping. You try to get, work the kinks out, um, little offense, get the picks out now. But, I mean, I won't be super worried about it, but I think coming off a year he's had where he's been throwing picks, it may be something. Yes, last year he led the league in picks with a number one receiver, with two running backs, Zeke and Tony Pollard, with an offensive coach, with a workable schedule. The NFC's never been weaker, and he led the NFL in picks and had a 91 passer rating. It is something. It's okay. Say this about kids all the time. Some kids in the family, you can pile stuff on. Some kids you can't. That's fine. But there is a clear correlation, and we saw the truth in year two. When Zeke was pulled out and suspended, Dak was bad. And so last year, Zeke kind of a shot fighter, rebuild O-line, Gallup wasn't quite ready to play early. They had a lot of interceptions. I don't think it's everything, but I say often on the show, everything's something. Nothing is everything. But when the other two quarterbacks in the preseason that are throwing lots of picks are Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield, there does seem to be kind of a pattern. Baker has led the league in picks since he entered it. The entire league and Garoppolo has been known to uncork a few beauties as well.